0: In a world where two Duck fans wanted to record a podcast about Oregon Duck sports and other stuff, this, this podcast is what they came up with. I know, it's not very good, but it's the best they could do. Anyway, welcome to the flock. It's been a long time, I shouldn't have
1: left you. Without a strong rhyme to step to, think a how many weeks shows you slept through. Time's up, I'm sorry I kept you Thinking of this, you keep repeating, your miss The rhymes
0: from the microphone solo with So you sit by the radio and on the dial soon As you hear it, pump up the volume Welcome, everybody, to the flock pod, Hashtag 064 we are sponsored with westcoastcfb.com Please make sure to go check out that website Give us a click Give them a click And uh, let them even know that we sent you You know, who knows? Yeah Who knows? Um, I am at Coach Justin D On all of those major social media platforms Shane. Shame Tell them where you are.
2: You can find me at Shane 6 on the Instagram and now at BartenderShane6 on the Twitter.
0: I saw this and I got really, really scared that you had changed your Waka Flocka. And then I remembered that was on the Instagram. So yeah. I was like, oh, uh-huh. I was Very really uh-huh. relieved. Instantly. Very, very relieved. I had,
2: this, I had this weird like panic attack about having my last name on my Twitter account. Even though it's like connected to all these other things with my name on it, Absolutely. I just like the yeah whatever Need and to it's make a shift it's stupid i changed it yeah Need to
0: make a shift um also super duper happy to announce that we are finally available at the flock pod on apple podcast Woo! Like, just it's yeah dealing with apple is a, is a pain painful slow process so, so if you
2: are listening to this tell other people about please. it because yes. you know we we're trying to get the word out there that we are easier to find now it was a. I mean, hats off to you, Justin. Finally, was, bro. Finally, I mean, man. The, the amount of work it took to get him to or to get them to put it on Apple it was
0: emails, logo changes, name change, like lots of little weird idiosyncratic things. I so we're pretty here. Pretty much given up. Hope, we made it. Honest. We made it. We made it, Mama. We made it. So. Um, Yeah, please, we're going to try to make another push here to get the podcast out to some new viewers. Um, I know it's a difficult time for that to happen. You know, football season is always a big listenership time for us. Um, And now with football over, we definitely want other people to get out there and try to support us, share it, like it, Um, all those things that help with those social media algorithms. Mm -hmm. Um, And with all that said, let's just jump in. We've actually got a lot of content um, this morning, woke up, opened up the old Twitter feed. And uh, wouldn't you know it, the uh, Oregon Duck football squad has hired a new defensive coordinator, Tim DeRuiter, um, formerly of the California Golden Bears. He was down there for, I believe, two years. Is that uh, right, Shane? Since
2: 2017. 17. Okay. Uh, I yeah. got a little Tell bit, me more. A little bit of background on Tim DeRuiter here. Uh, last season, he also served as the associate head coach uh, for the Cal Bears, as well as outside linebacker coach, um, which the... Cal Bears were awarded uh, linebacker coach of the year honors, which they kind of spread to the um, the coalition that kind of like that goes along with uh, you know promoting those linebackers and everything else. Um, He was formerly a defensive coordinator at Ohio, Navy, Air Force, and Texas A&M. After Texas A&M, he left to get the head coaching job at Fresno State, which he held from 2012 to 2016, which he was fired after going. like, I think it was
0: four wins in his last season there. He had that one season, though, with David Carr, or was it Derek Carr?
2: That's a good question. I think it was Derek Carr Derek, in 2013. Derek Carr, yeah. Yeah,
0: when they had that 11-2 and season, had a wide receiver that was really good on that team. Yeah, also. There was, uh, so... in
2: 2014, they won the Mountain West Championship. Okay. Um, they said his biggest downfall as a head coach there was missing out on Josh Allen. Ooh, uh, right yeah. from his backyard, got plucked up to Wyoming. Somebody that we talked about on the mm-hmm. previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at his time at Cal, he uh, held scoreless, held Oregon scoreless in consecutive years and a half. Uh, first half in 2019, and then last year in the second half. In that uh, kind of just like a methodical beatdown of Oregon that last season.
0: Um, always had to seem, always had Oregon's number, and we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about that even going into the Cal game this year about how. However, you know, by hook or by crook, they always seem to just, like, put Oregon in their offensive shackles somehow. Uh, when he got to Cal,
2: their defense was ranked 127th in the country. His first year there got them to 22nd – or his second year, sorry. I got them to 22nd in the country and 33rd the year after that. So, I mean, made an immediate impact. It seems like he has a good handle on kind of culture. And uh, – the, the thing that I think most people were kind of praising him about that I was reading today was his ability to, dis, to disguise coverages. Mm-hmm. Um, he runs a base 3-4, but within that you can do a lot of things, and that's something that I've been kind of excited about with looking at his philosophy paired with this upcoming team is where Oregon's strengths are, I think, are at linebacker and at this this depth, and I think he can do do some cool things, you know, It could really potentially unlock a kid like Justin Flo. We can really, you know, see Noah Sewell in a different um, environment and kind of see something a little bit different.
0: Well, and the creativity, I think, is what we're really, you know, kind of hinting at here that we want to see a little bit more of. Um, We actually put up a poll on the old Twitter at the Flock Pod this morning just asking our Twitter fans what defense they'd like to see Oregon run. And that's pretty close right now um, with – 51 votes in right now Uh, 49% of people want to see a Um, 4-3 43% of people want to see a 3-4 and 8% want to see a 3-3-5 I'm in that 3-3-5 category. That's what I voted for, but that's just because I've always loved that style of defense, and I think it allows you to play so much more creatively, especially if you go like a 3-3-5-3-4 hybrid kind of within that situation. But I think it would allow a lot of Oregon's defensive playmakers a little more freedom and a little bit more – Ah, versatility. You know, really kind of using some of these Swiss Army knife kind of players that we have right now on that defensive side of the ball. But we need to be able to play with the big boys. And a 3-4 and a 4-3 is more so standard in those types of trench-type games.
2: Mm-hmm. I think in years prior with the roster that we had, with I mean, even if we still had a JV on Holland and a... Um the other safety. Left. Brady Breeze. Yes. Uh, I think a three three five would have been a lot more fun to see with, with that roster. But with when you look over what we have right now with a, a young secondary I mean, a young entire team as we've kinda of talked about in nauseam, but with the you know, the quote unquote star players being more in the trench positions with your cavons, your flows, your Sewells, I mean it's uh I'm getting I'm just getting attacked Man, by the, the producers, producers, right? Yeah, now. <laughs> the
0: producers are not happy with us. I'm not sure what we did. They actually haven't napped yet today. It's one of those crazy days that they're just showing puppy resilience like crazy. So try to put up with a little background nose here if you guys don't mind. <laughs> so um, I, I think I think a three four with just with what this team already has
2: and I mean from there, you can kind of, I think when you have three down linemen, like you said, it does create chances for more versatility as it is. Maybe we'll see some kind of like a little bit more safeties kind of be brought down into that linebacker position, which is kind of like your hybrid 3 3, five, three four kind of deal. So, I mean, we'll see. And then obviously with who would be coming in in these next classes with the 2021 class, and now we're starting to see the 2022 class, uh, some offers being sent out and Um, some commitments starting to be made at this time. So we'll we'll kind of see how it can develop from here. And we've also seen with Mm. Cristobal he is willing to adapt and bring in new uh, philosophies and ideas.
0: Well, and as you mentioned, this is a guy that he's coveted since he got the head coaching job. He's wanted to bring DeRooter onto the staff in some type of capacity. So with that said, I do want to mention a little bit about some of the guys that didn't get the job, that were in the running. Um, Both Shane and I had mentioned how we would have liked to have seen um, a promotion from within, you know, giving some guys that um, have been loyal to Oregon and been here for a couple years and give them a chance to really show what they can do at that higher level of position. Um, some guys outside of the program first, though. Um, other candidates, you know, were Chris Ash, um, most recently Texas's defensive coordinator. I think
2: he's going to Jacksonville. A yeah, a couple
0: different things. Um, Army defensive coordinator Nate Woody. Uh, Let's see, Georgia co-defensive coordinator, Glenn Schumann. So a lot of different guys were kind of in the mix. Obviously, we talked about how coveted this position would be. Um, Keith Hayward was one of those guys from within that a lot of Duck fans and a lot of recruits, a lot of players were actually very vocal um, about wanting to see him get this opportunity. I'll be curious to see if he decides to stay on and what capacity. He's been an associate head coach for the last year or so, I believe, on the staff. So what they do to try to... utilize the skill and talent that they have on the coaching staff in the best way is going to be. I mean, that's another part of coaching that a lot of people don't understand is you're not just coaching the players. And especially when you're a football coach, because you have so many position groups and different position coaches that you're trying to organize and work with and egos that you're trying to manage and keep everybody in line. And it's, it's a much different ballgame when you're talking about coaching grown men, when you're talking about coaching college kids. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how Cristobal kind of manages some of that as we move forward.
2: And uh, to be fair to mention, too, this will be the sixth defensive coordinator in the last nine seasons at Oregon. So it's something that, you know, Oregon fans have been kind of grown accustomed to. But it's it's a little unnerving. Uh, that being said, a lot of these guys, especially under the crystal ball regime, have gotten promoted and gotten, gotten head coaching jobs. jobs. Yeah, they've I mean, gotten
0: those opportunities. And that's why we also thought that – I was a little surprised that this position wasn't more coveted. That there weren't some bigger names initially interested, to be honest. And that's why I really thought that then at that point that they would promote from within. But you brought that little nugget, you know, talking about how Cristobal had wanted to bring DeRuiter onto his staff from the beginning. So this does make sense that this is one of those coveted toys, you know, that Cristobal mm-hmm. wants to add to his chest.
2: Well, especially when I mean some of the I had a list of some of the other candidates that were involved. Uh, Schumann, as you mentioned, uh, Georgia co-defensive coordinator, who has Alabama ties then you have Clint Hurdle who's the Seattle Sea Chickens assistant coach yeah he can go um who he played with Cristobal Miami so I mean like most of these guys uh Tosh LePoy, the Atlanta oh, Falcons also, defensive yeah. line coach he spent five years at Alabama so ev- basically everybody who was considered had these Cristobal ties mm-hmm. and then one of the only names that wasn't really mentioned was this the player the person who was hired yeah. and I do kind of wonder a little bit about like why Uh, why he left cal. I did see that he was making a base salary of four hundred thousand dollars at Cal, ranking him thirty-sixth in Pac twelve for assistant coaches.
0: Ooh, that's brutal. I mean this was a team that in 2019 Cal ranked ninth in the country, you know, overall total defense. I mean Mm -hmm. he's done a good job down there. And again cash rules everything around me this is just what happens in college sports whether you want to acknowledge it or not and this these are grown men they have families they have different people that they're trying to take care of and sometimes they have to make decisions based purely for financial reasons. we're highly being we're being highly speculative right mm. now saying that's the case but
2: well we haven't seen any uh, anything about his contract yes. or what you, you know what kind of you know raise he potentially would be getting. It's uh, good you mentioned Cal was ranked ninth in defense last year. As Oregon was ranked 59th in points allowed and 62nd in yards allowed, so it is even a little sprightly. Well, last year statistically, I kind of see as a throwaway, and Skewed, I think the absolutely. I think the coaching staff. The more I listen to Cristobal and him talk about the season prior, it kind of sounds like it was a practice season. I mean, we're getting so many players back. Jalen mm-hmm. Red just announced that he's coming back. Jalen
0: Red, baby number lucky number five. Stay healthy, <laughs> Jalen. Stay healthy.
2: So I mean I, I think that is a big part of it too. But I mean we Oregon does have a lot of resources that Cal might not might not have, especially for the football team. When you think Cal, you don't really think of a football school. I don't know if you do. They're not really a basketball school either. It's they're kind of To be of strange.
0: honest, when I think of Cal, I think about uh, Cheapskate Hill.
2: I'm that's not the, familiar. That's the
0: first thing that comes to mind. It's the oh, hill that everybody climbs up on. Think, yeah. That's the very first thing that comes to mind. And then I think of water polo because they're a massive national powerhouse in really? men's and women's water polo. So those are the two things that initially, And but that's obviously, I mean, I've coached water polo. I played water polo. So having that little bit of a connection there obviously helps, but yeah, they are dominant um, for a long, long time. So it is probably the Oregon DC job is probably a better springboard
2: to a head coaching job. In college football than the Cal D.C. It's just a better
0: job. I mean, I think Oregon and and Cal are in different tiers. I mean, California fans are going to hear this and be like, well, well, actually, we probably don't have any fans of Cal that listen to this. But if they did, you know, well, we've beaten you the last couple of years and it's been a good game. Yeah, it has. But how have you finished nationally? How have your recruiting classes gone? Justin Wilcox has done a really good job keeping that program relevant and afloat um, for as long as he has. I'm actually curious to see when he makes the jump to the NFL, not to take this into too much of a tangent, but I see Wilcox as more of a head, uh, more of an NFL coach than a collegiate coach this yes, turned out a lot of nfl talent a lot we've of probably, NFL talent yes we
2: probably weeded out any cal fans listening by my jared goff comments more than likely yeah. <laughs> yes more than
0: likely but I, I can't really talk now we haven't really talked much of it since we did we didn't miss a week last week um we apologize I shouldn't have left you without a dope pod to step to but sometimes things happen and um we're getting into that time of year that um when news is here we're going to talk about it um we actually had a pod scheduled for today Regardless, and then getting that news this morning just put a little cherry on top on our decision. We usually Mm -hmm. record, and then news comes out after. Yeah, that's crazy. I think we're getting we're getting more in the flow state of the the pod news cycle here Uh -uh. a little bit. Um, Let's jump into some women's basketball coverage. Um, Definitely, uh, the pandemic uh, is hitting all over the country. Um, A couple of women's programs um, have even shut down their season. I think the last one I saw was Virginia Tech, maybe, I want to say. Vanderbilt and the other one yeah i mean and it, it's understandable you know it's understandable due to the the extreme circumstances that this season is happening within um we are recording here on friday the ducks uh, the lady ducks do play this evening at five o'clock um it is at matthew knight arena Obviously, we are not able to attend in person, which is a bummer because this is a game that Shane and I would have definitely. Oh been at. man, you know? I was and like, that's... I was just thinking that. Uh, I was
2: like, I, you know, what's funny is the other day, like, I opened up my SeatGeek app and was just like, <laughs> just bummed me out.
0: It's the Wolverine meme when you're just like on SeatGeek, yeah. like, crying, like oh, I miss you so much. Um, absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. So um, we imagine Oregon will take care of business here. This is a feisty Cougar team. <clears throat> Excuse me. feisty Cougar team that did give Oregon everything they could handle up in Pullman. So we'll look to see them bounce back and the ducks are reeling a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, um, struggling in their last few games, obviously against top tier talent. Um, But as we've talked about um, Oregon and, applying immense ball pressure to other teams. That's what teams have been doing to Oregon and it seemed to really stifle their offense. They've gone one and three in their last um, four games. The only win, to 141 blasting of the California Golden Bears dropping all three contests that were up against top 10 squads so where do you where is this Oregon team at for you right now Shane
2: well I mean especially as we look at this right now with this matchup I mean we're seeing kind of two programs on different uh, trajectories mm-hmm. uh, Oregon kind of stumbling first time in in some time now I know a lot of Oregon fans have been freaking out a little bit uh, if anybody's on Twitter I'm you've seen out, man. <laughs> uh, but I mean it's it's true like like you said Justin looks at this like a coach the ball pressure especially on the younger players has definitely like frustrated a young Tahina mm-hmm. Pow Pow and some other players on the team. I know Maddie Sure was having a devil of a time against Arizona and
0: Kylie Watson.
2: Yeah, and I mean with <laughs> Oh man with the um Sedona Prince weird minutes limitation too. Kind of like I don't know. It, that was the first time in like the Kelly Graves era where I really was questioning Kelly Graves just like how he used Sedona Prince with the minutes restriction. Yeah. Letting Oregon get into this massive hole against Arizona in the first quarter and then like, oh, she's out there like then two minutes into in. the
0: second. Yeah. It's it's a tough spot because you know Sedona is chomping at the bit to get back out there mm-hmm. on the floor, and you know as a coach that this is a player that you're going to be relying upon in a few you know, weeks and months from now, not to mention years from now, if she's going to be within your program. So you don't want her to go out there and re-injure herself or well, or bring... You want her to, have when she does get out there, to have confidence and be right. out there. But this is a team that doesn't really have an identity right now. Because mm-hmm. of the injuries, because of the weird foul trouble that Aaron Boley continues to get into game after game after game that puts this team a little bit behind the eight ball. They're lacking that... And, I mean, Kelly Graves even talked about, the, in particular, after the Arizona game, he said, this is the worst offense I've ever put out there on the floor. You know, I've had high school girls teams that have put up more than 41 points in a game. So it, he's even questioning kind of where this team is at, where the spark is going to come from. Tahina's doing all that she can, but she's, you're seeing the frustration get to her and affect her play. And the, she gets that eye about her where she knows the talent level that's surrounding her isn't at her level.
2: Right, and it's and for for what she does. She's not a take over the game style of scorer. Not yet. No, I mean, I think I think she definitely could be. But right now, you see her as kind of more in that floor general position where she's trying to get other players involved. And when she can't even get them the ball, it's it's incredibly frustrating. And like you mentioned with the injuries before too. I mean, like it. I just had this flashback to a story. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a grade two ankle sprain and just sitting there and you got to work like the clock for practice and all you want to do is get back out there. And I remember like finally convinced my coach, I'm like, let me, you know, it was a scrimmage and I was like, let me get out there. First thing I do is tip a pass and step on the ball, re-roll my ankle. And he was oh. just like, he's like, that's why, you know, we don't have you out here. And, then, like, and it's those situations where you, you want Sedona, you see her out there, you're like, oh, she's good enough to play. Those injuries they take a minute, especially when you're six foot four or whatever you want to say well, she's listed at. You
0: have to take into consideration her previous injury mm-hmm. history also, and the ness the need to get in there and strengthen some of those smaller muscle groups. I'm sure she's doing. I mean, again. Hope she's doing some pool work. Hope she's doing some anti-gravity treadmill work to get that baby strengthened up and ready to go. But this is a different team when she's out there and she's 100%. Right. I've talked about this at length. When they don't have Prince or Bully out there on the court, this is an average team. When they have one of them, it's a good team. When they have both of them, this can be a great team. Mm-hmm. So that's really going to be the key moving forward to see the the health of Prince. And then, again, Aaron Bollie's physical but she's not. I I really question the officiating that we've seen in the last couple games, in particular with some of the plays um, with her, and then with Pow Pow getting some cheap ones on the defensive side of the ball, and then not getting some of those calls when she's driving and being pressured.
2: Yeah, it's weird. Aaron Bowley gets treated like Boogie Cousins. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's. I don't know where she picked up this like this. Uh like wrestlers mentality or whatever but it's weird they treat her like she's just hurting people and it's like i mean she'll do like the kind of like stick her butt out on the screen a little bit or like adjust the hip a little bit
0: that kevin garnett hip action yeah, yeah. and
2: like normally you see it get called every now and again because it is a kind of a cheap thing to do but you normally get away with it a few times especially early in the games and yeah really interesting to see and then that's really affected her shooting which i'll get into in one second but uh, Washington State this season was ranked for the first time in school history earlier this year. So, Big, I deal. Mean, Big this, deal. This is, you know, the best Washington State team that they've ever had. Uh, they're coming off uh, back-to-back overtime losses, which is crazy. Uh, they lost to USC and UCLA in overtime.
0: You never want to play a team coming off of an overtime loss because you know they're going to be angry and hungry. You definitely don't want to play a team. And the only like silver lining you can find is they're going to be a little more tired. I mean, that's but just even the then they have had like a fight. week, so it's they're going like to be mad. yeah, uh, uh, they have a really interesting uh,
2: duo of sisters. Uh, they're starting guards. Freshman guard Charlize Lager Walker is averaging what a name nineteen point seven points a game and four assists. Her big sister, Crystal Lager Walker, is averaging 12.2 points a game and 4.4 assists. They also have a sophomore center who is 6'3 in, ooh, we're going to call her Bella M. And she is averaging 10.4 points per game and 7.2 rebounds. Uh, so that'll be probably the matchup. I mean, we're poised to see a little bit more Sedona Prince today, but I mean, that'll be the matchup for Prince and uh, Niara Sobley. Uh, who has been kind of like the lone bright spot in this kind of weird losing slump month?
0: So, I got a question for you, Shane. The Ducks women have played the Cougars of Washington State 89 times in women's basketball. How many times do you think the Cougars have won in those 89 matchups? Man, that's tough.
2: Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say in the last like decade, probably like none, but. So I'm going to go with, oof, God, Pullman women's basketball. How do they
0: even recruit? Uh, 12. Hey, Pullman's a fun little city. 19. 19, uh, huh? T- yeah, the series is 70 to 19. This is the 90th matchup. So um, just a little fun little history nugget there. A little trivia. Maybe we should do more trivia. That may be kind of fun. I don't know. Pullman's, Pullman's
2: fine, but it doesn't seem like it's always just like the worst weather possible. Oh, it's there. awful. From,
0: it's cold <laughs> and gray, but it's neat because the campus is, it's very similar to Oregon where the campus is really built into the fabric of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really, I don't know if that pizza place is still there, but shout out that they made pizzas similar, like the pizza pipeline, like the Colossus, Colossus or, or whatever yeah. it was. Oh yeah water polo tournaments up there with a couple Colossus afterwards lovely lovely time up there in Pullman Washington so this and this is a big opportunity for the Cougars you know to come in here they played them tough up there in Pullman Um, they're seven and three on the season I mean I think definitely one of the bigger surprises in Pac-12 women's basketball Mm -hmm. is that has been their level of play this year so can't yep. sleep on them. Can't in that, sleep
2: on them. In that first matchup, the Cougars led for the first 31 minutes of the game. Uh, Oregon ended up squeaking out a victory 69-65. to 65. That was back not that long ago on December 21st. Niar Sabli had 19-14 in that one. So it we're going to look for her again to have another dominant performance yeah, inside.
0: She'll need to, absolutely. And what will the Ducks do on offense to counter this ball pressure? Are they going to go more um dho are they going to go more um ball screens as opposed to pick and roll action so you're you're getting that defense a little more you know flat-footed are they going to do more back cuts which i've been asking for for a week and a half now to actually move more off of the basketball they just they're lacking a cohesiveness and a trust in their flow on offense and when your teams really get up in your grill and start ball pressuring you and you don't have that cohesiveness it gets really ugly, it gets really watered down, it gets it's like you're playing in mud almost. And so that's what I'm really looking for is what Kelly draws up to counter that immense ball pressure that these teams have been giving the ducks. And that ball
2: pressure has really affected the shooters. I mean, the two best shooters on the team, in my opinion, I'd say are Taylor, Mike Sell, and Aaron Bully. And in the last four games, Mike Sell is seven for twenty-three from the field, just two for ten from deep. And Bowley is 14 for 31, only 2 for 11 from deep. Uh, she was also held, held scoreless for the first time in her career against Arizona. So that's, I mean, barely played with the, the foul trouble. Every time she stepped on the court, they blew the whistle. Yeah. But when,
0: when you get up as a ball pressure and you're able to stop the drive, When Tahina's not able to get into the paint to suck down the rest of the defense and able to kick to wide-open shooters, now you're relying more upon the perimeter screening action of Oregon to get those open looks, and those are just more difficult shots due to balance. Mm -hmm. You're coming off that screen, and it takes, I mean, not everybody's Steph Curry. Not everybody can be twisting in midair and, you know, bouncing off of one leg. You know, Harden obviously does a great job off the dribble doing this, but I think Steph and then J.J. Redick is obviously the other incredible example of coming off the other, you know, off ball screening action and that's why we need to see more curls we need to see some more curls off some of those off balls and then hitting the screener and then coming off of the screener with that ball screen because then you can get that shooter a little bit more open just to, just more trust you know being hey i know i know you agree more trust, <laughs> more trust. being willing to give the ball up to get it back <clears throat> and knowing that your teammates are gonna move the basketball and move for you that's that's again i keep beating this dead horse into the ground but Move the ball, move yourself, back door cuts. That's the way you're that's where you're gonna beat ball pressure.
2: Well and uh I mean, the shooting aspect of it too with the ball pressure is just the passing we've seen kind of go down a couple notches. Not yeah, only are on, in your
0: head. You're frustrated. On
2: entry passes down into the post, yeah. which is definitely, uh, as somebody who played post, you know, you get a bad entry pass, you might as well just put a miss field goal attempt right up there.
0: It's the closest thing to water polo that I can remember is when you're battling in whole set to get position and you finally get your chest square to the passer and they throw you a crappy pass and you get all beat to hell and the ball taken from you. That's the exact same. And you see the look... I was watching a, an NBA game the other night, and Giannis wanted that post-entry, and it was a bad pass, and it, he was running back, and you almost saw him want to just like slap the guy <laughs> on the back of the head. He didn't, but you could tell that's what he wanted to do, because you work hard to get that uh-huh. position, and it's physical. It's a battle. You come out with, with bruises and bumps, and when you don't get a good pass, and then it compounds, because the passer's mad because they're frustrated. You know, The entry person's mad because they didn't get the ball, and they're getting beat up, and that's... As a coach, those are difficult moments to manage, especially in a season where you've got so many other stresses and anxieties already on these young ladies.
2: Well, and especially when you're fighting for a position on the block, you spend, you exert so much energy. And when the pass comes, you kind of have to release a little bit of the pressure and give up a little bit of space. Yeah, come to the ball. Mm, exactly. So you kind of, you lose a little bit of what you just fought for. So when you like have a hand up high and it, start, and it goes lower, it goes to your chest and you, you already gave up that position. Now you're off balance. It's the most frustrating thing in basketball <laughs> i would rather have 20 layups pinned on the glass than that happen one time
0: yeah and we are short and white so that does happen it's that's pretty boy frequently. more often than it's, i'd it's like brutal. to admit yeah but white, white basketball paint shout out <laughs> don't follow them on twitter that's a good twitter follow um so looking forward um past this washington state game um the duck oh wait i lost my tab here wait a minute wait a minute Wait a minute! Great podcasting here. I, well, to I
2: saw up. a quote from Graves that said, "We I, we hope to play another game this weekend."
0: Yeah, because Washington is having some COVID protocol issues. That would be the next game on Sunday. And then the mountain trip after that for the women headed to Utah and Colorado on Friday, Sunday. So we'll see what happens. They haven't run into as many problems as the men's program has due to other programs. Now you're seeing, and we're going to jump to the men here in just a moment. Um, Maybe we should break and then we'll get to the men. Yeah, Yeah. let's do that. Um, And a fun conversation coming up later on also about um, our PAC 12 commissioner search. Mm -hmm. Um, How exciting that that's finally happening!
2: I can't believe it's real.
0: I know it's real. It was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day. It was a double whammy of, of just gorgeous. News. Uh-huh, Just absolutely yeah. beautiful news. Um, anything more to add here for women's basketball, Shane? Go Ducks. Go Ducks, yeah. got v- a lot Go of. Thank you God, for sticking around tough. with us. Oh, you,
1: that, though, that was District 5. Now we're the Ducks. Yeah. And the Ducks yeah. are undefeated. Quack, augusto, quack,
2: quack, quack, jets, quack. Quack.
1: Quack. 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 Quack
0: Welcome back here to the beautiful condo. It looks like the producers are finally winding down a little bit. I sound like a grumpy dad, you know. I'm Don't definitely like, it. just go to bed, go to bed. It's like I love that scene uh, from Saturday Night Live where Will Ferrell is talking like at the barbecue,
1: get off the shed. <laughs> that's
0: what my all time. That's what I always feel like with the puppies, like just go to bed. But a sleepy puppy is a happy puppy, so mm-hmm. hopefully they will drift off into sleep soon. So, yeah, let's jump into some Oregon men's round ball talk. Obviously, the the big story here is COVID-19, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, it looks like uh, starters Chris Duarte and um, LJ Figueroa, who we are we're trying to workshop a good nickname here for Mr. Figueroa. But both of them will be out. Um, Jalen Terry looks to be back, but we're not sure how much he'll actually play. And obviously, Will Richardson is still out um, recovering uh, with surgery on his left thumb.
2: Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, we were hoping, I mean, the the timetable was basically set that this would be the earliest he could return. So, I mean, we're optimistic that hopefully it could be this time. But it's probably the right call, especially with the way things are going.
0: So do we know that Jalen Terry was like patient zero now for the COVID outbreak? Cause he's coming back from virus protocol and everybody else is still kind of dealing with it. Yeah, Cause
2: I mean, we were wondering why we weren't seeing him. He wasn't even on the bench in a couple games and it was, it's funny, like, it didn't even really jump out to me that, like, oh, he probably has COVID. And then it's like, oh, and then the other players get it. It's like, ah, I see now.
0: So I have, I have a few sources on the University of Oregon campus, and I've reached out to them over the last week. And I'm finding that um, campus is very quiet until Friday and Saturday night evenings. And then all of a sudden, there are these little parties that just pop up all over the place on campus. And... Perhaps a few athletes have been seen um, attending these parties. So as much as we can talk about, you know, kids are taking this seriously, um, they're doing all that they can. Still college kids. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, remember what you thought of yourself when you were 18 to 23, like completely impervious. I am healthy beyond belief. There's no way I'll be the one, like in the doubt. And You also
2: live in your own bubble, too. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like it's you and the people that you know, and you don't really think about the people outside of that. And and let's be fair too. We are asking a ton of these athletes this season uh, across the country to you know not see their families, and it was it was kind of an emotional sight at the end of the uh, the PlayStation Bowl to you know the players actually seeing their families for the first time in about three to four months, Absolutely. depending on who it was, and. And you think about that being paired with, you know, if you're 18, 19, moving out of the house for the first time and you're in isolation and you're you want to be you're so used to having this extremely social lifestyle that you had as a high school star athlete. Now that's being taken from you. So before we criticize them too much, it is it, they're, they're being asked to do a lot. And we we are proud of what has been able to accomplish and we kind of we knew this was going to happen right eventually mean,
0: it's basically every program has gone through and taken their lumps from COVID so we look at Chandler Lawson and Aaron Estrada more than likely being thrown into the starting lineup Um, there are not a lot of other options unfortunately for the Ducks right now I mean with Jalen Terry still coming back depending upon what kind of minutes he's going to be allowed to play we don't know Um, Frank Kepning is definitely going to have to play some minutes he hasn't played much this season lock were' is going to be a guy that's going to have to get out there and play a little bit. Um, this, is, this is what I love. Uh, okay, Altman said lock is going to have to play. Jalen is going to have to play. Will, Gabe, and Luke, those guys are all ready to go. It's not an exact science, and I'm not sure how we're going to approach it. If that doesn't sound like a COVID-19 season from a coach, I don't know what does. When you're talking about your walk-ons, you're you're usually your 30-30 guys being called upon in a game like this. Um, it's be interesting going to be interesting. There
2: is there is something to be said for, you know, we're going to be able to see a little bit more of this team's depth. And there's going to be some guys who gain some experiences they would not have had. I mean, I look at a guy like Aaron Estrada as a player that I actually really like. Uh, He's been,
0: I like what I've seen.
2: Yeah, he's been a lot different than I anticipated his playing style to be. And like we talked about, for his body kind of filling out.
0: I thought he was a really bouncy kind of thin kid. I mean, that's what a lot of his highlight videos, a lot of the games I watched, what he was. And he's he's put on more of that Luca body now. Mm -hmm. He's out there just trying to beat up on people. Yeah,
2: stays like plays a little more low to the ground. But he he has a really good uh, understanding of the game and it seems like you know when you're watching a game and you want a player to do something and then like they do it and you feel like you did it with your mind a little bit yeah I, I feel that way a lot when I watch Aaron Estrada which is a good thing and I mean so we'll see you know maybe him getting a bigger role in the team maybe this will pay off down the line in a tournament game when a player gets foul trouble in the first half something like that so I mean there there are some benefits to it especially when you look at you know The way everything's going, teams are going to take losses in these situations because of roster... Weird. Well
0: and I guess that's the silver lining here is that it is Oregon State. I mean Oregon State's been suffering and struggling on their own obviously Tinkle always coaches them up and has them ready to play the Ducks but that is kind of the silver lining that this is happening now and hopefully these guys will be back if we actually get the chance to play UCLA next Thursday. This right. game has been the game that's moved around a couple times now mainly due to UCLA and now it maybe get moved well, again to and Oregon. And the, the
2: refs that one time. The ref yeah. issue
0: absolutely so yeah we'll see but again um, the U- UCLA-USC road trip next week is a much more they're more talented teams let's just yeah. be honest I mean that USC team is loaded they've just been struggling UCLA's been playing pretty well um Mick Cronin just I just still giggle every time I see him coaching UCLA I never would have guessed that that would have been the case
2: right and I think USC I've seen one of their players can't remember his name freshman uh being floated around as a potential number
0: one overall pick well they've got Evan Mobley on that squad he's been a kid I that's that been talked be about and then um what's his face's brother is also on that team Oh, I gotta look now. I, I can't remember his name. Uh, but yeah, USC has a couple of potential, you know, mm-hmm. first round. They're kind of like guys. the the Washington of last year. Mm-hmm.
2: where They have a lot of NBA talent uh, uh, that but, 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 might not but, 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 be translating uh, into wins immediately. Yeah, Evan
0: Mobley, Isaiah Mobley, both on that roster. And then where is? It? Oh, I guess I don't know. I don't see him. Cool. Okay, never <laughs> mind. I give up. I give up. So, yeah, we'll see what happens here for the Ducks here the next. This is a big couple of weeks here for them. Obviously, how they can bounce back from COVID because we've seen that take a, a toll on players' endurance and, you know, their ability to play at a high level coming back. But also just to do the the jump in competition that they're going to play next
2: week. I also want to formally apologize for everything I've said about Amari Hardy. Uh, take it all back. Uh, you're my favorite player, and tell your family members I love them, and I'd like to we see them love play. Them.
0: Yes, yes. If you know, you know. We'll leave, we'll I'd like to see them that. play
2: here too, and I fully understand why you're on the team, and it all makes sense. And I'm sorry, dude. I said some mean things
0: about you. I take it back. Well, and it's so funny that the, the, what we speculated is basically, yeah. So it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. You know, college basketball is – Always going to be college, you know.
2: Giannis, basketball. one of Giannis's brothers plays for the Lakers for a reason. I'll well, just, I'll just put them. that there. Both of them are in the league. Oh yeah, okay. yeah
0: this, yeah. and then the other, guy. the other. I can't remember the other one's name, but yeah, they're both L- in the
2: league. Legello Ball or whatever you say his name, he'll be in the league too. And these are all, these are all related. Yeah, these are all people.
0: Loop it in, put your tin cap on, figure it out, and trace it together. Let's go and jump into some products talk now. Let's do that. We've got a fun idea that we're workshopping for some like. Pro wrestling belts that we're gonna start giving out to products. So look for some more of that content mm-hmm. coming up in the future. And if you have ideas, if you're a, a pro wrestling aficionado, and maybe you want to jump on the pod and help us out with that one, absolutely reach out to us, please. We need more fan engagement. Like, yep. just just send us a DM that says, "Hey, how you doing?" Something like that. Just anything. We'll put you um, on the.
2: We'll we'll put your Twitter yeah, we'll uh, handle on yes. here. We'll do everything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so our 13 listeners can, can listen to you <laughs> also. Um, but yeah, big week for the NBA. Um, a lot of pro. Duck News there Um, Kemba Walker coming back obviously has put Peyton Pritchard's minutes a little bit um, uh, a little bit lower than they had been Um, the Raptors are doing all kinds of things the Tampa Bay Raptors are doing all kinds of things down there waving Alex Lynn um, with the way Boosh has been playing that definitely makes sense Grizzlies battling all kinds of weird injury issues and things like that. Dylan's been playing pretty well for them. And then, will the Washington Wizards play another basketball game, Shane? Will they play another game?
2: Man, your poor fantasy team. Justin has like six <laughs> warriors, or six Wizards on it. Or
0: no, you have three Wizards and then you have a couple other injuries. Yeah, the Air Angs are really struggling. Yeah, yeah I was gosh. looking at
2: your bench. I was like, that sucks. Um, Come on, Bertans. So, we'll start. <laughs> I mean, Troy Brown, yeah, the Wizards haven't played this last week. I have some, some statistics here from... Last Friday till today. Uh, so we'll start there. Troy Brown, obviously no games. Then we'll go with Bull Bull. Uh, the Nuggets are 2-1 and one this I week.
0: forget about Bull Bull. I didn't even mention them every single time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The Bull Bull is well, apparently not alive in my mind.
2: Here, Here's why. Uh, <laughs> 5.6 minutes a game. He's averaging. This is all just this week. Uh, two points a game. Zero assists. 0. 0.6 rebounds he's three for seven from the field and 0 for one from three so
0: teams have got to be calling i mean he's got to be a trade candidate for the nuggets to improve they need another wing defender they need another kind of guy like that so he's gonna have to be a guy that's talked about in some trade discussions
2: right anything he's still i think he's still a project i think the nuggets still value him as a potential asset in the yeah. future so i mean we'll see and he had that dunk last week when you we saw that where the ball was like over the back if one. i was the blazers i'd give him a call yeah, it'd be it'd be worth at least kicking the tires on. I'd call the Cavs
0: first, but then I'd probably call
2: them. Um, so then we'll go with uh Mr. Peyton Pritchard, uh the guy I ran eight miles the other day just to make I a saw Peyton that. Pritchard joke. I that definitely was, saw uh, that. I was gonna run a 10k and then I was like, man, if I can make it to eight it miles, the gram, baby. then I can say I can say something about it. Do so it for the, the Celtics are one and two this week. Peyton Pritchard is
0: playing still 20.3 minutes a game, even with the return of Kemba. We'll see how that progresses for the next week or two. That's mm-hmm. what I'm really curious because Tatum's also out right now. That's but true. He got. I mean, what game was I watching a couple nights ago that they brought him off the bench? Last two minutes, he got a shot in the corner mm-hmm. that he missed, but he had a good little. You know, feet looked good. He was balanced. It was a wide open look, and just didn't knock it down. Well, I think well, it's against the Bucks, I think
2: yeah, with uh, with Tatum out, I think you know it kind of puts that primary scoring role on Jalen Brown, and then from that, you kind of have to become a facilitator as well. Everybody and then, moves up, yeah, yeah, and then that kind of puts Pritchard in another spot. But I, I like what he's doing, and they even played. I saw, I think it was the game against the Bucks, where in the second quarter of the second unit out there, it was Kemba, Payton, and then three basically non scorers and they were basically just like running pick and roll for the two guards and Mm -hmm. letting them shoot all they want uh, Kemba shot more than Peyton Pritchard. They're
0: giving Peyton a lot of those non-Marcus smart minutes which is mm-hmm. interesting.
2: Uh, so Pritchard this week has averaged 7.3 points 1.6 assists, 3 rebounds. He's 8 for 19 from the field and 6 for 13 from deep. So
0: he's got shooting good marks. Well, and if So if you're in a, a 12 team deep bench fantasy league, I think he's a guy to still keep around because of his potential and his ability, especially in a categories league. If you need threes, I mean he's definitely a guy that's going to produce for you there. But it's just, if you're of anything smaller than that, he's a tough guy to really have
2: on your bench right now. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to go back. Maybe in a couple weeks we'll do the fantasy uh, rostered percentages again and go through some Mm -hmm. more of that. Because right now it's still kind of ebbs and flowing, especially with all the COVID stuff. Uh, Dylan Brooks and the Memphis Grizzlies – are 3-0 this week, and uh, kind of playing some surprisingly good basketball. They beat a
0: couple decent teams. I, one of my favorite things to do on Twitter is to check in during a Grizzlies game and just listen to all the Dylan Brooks slander from Grizzly fans because they obviously don't like watching him play.
2: <laughs> well, they've seen a lot of the same on <laughs> that <laughs> Happy team. birthday, Dylan Brooks. Oh, yeah. Happy way. birthday, yes. Dylan happy, Brooks. Happy yeah. porn
0: day, happy name day, all that good
2: Canada's stuff. Canada's finest. He's averaging 7.6 points a game, 3.3 assists, and 2.3 rebounds. Uh, he's shooting, he shot 10 for 40 from the field. Yeah, he did. And two for 12 from three. He's playing 25.6 minutes a game. So that's probably why Grizzly fans are a little perturbed.
0: He's the guy that walks into the gym and, oh, I'm open. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he just always has that mentality. And, I mean, to his credit, he puts in the work. I mean, we've talked about his work ethic, his, you know, legendary gym rat status you know if he was on 2k he would definitely have you know legend i mean he is on 2k what am i saying he should have the legendary gym rat status um but it's just it's just not coming together for him and obviously the grizzlies are struggling and so he's playing a lot more you know upper echelon minutes ideally he's a guy that's like your sixth or seventh man that's playing against bench unit like a like a heat check score that can come in and put up 12 to 15 in a quick minute or two right now he's you know playing 35 minutes and one of your you know keystones of the grizzlies rebuilding right
2: now mm. and he's their primary defender which is an interesting frightening
0: thing. because of his tiny arms
2: yeah but he is—he's a big body and all t-rex. of that,
0: and he's like
2: the elder statesman of this team. The Memphis Grizzlies are the youngest team in the NBA, and he's the oldest player on the roster. I he's like—is Jonas still on that roster? Valanciunas? Yeah, I don't think Is he gone. I was gonna say so. Jonas Valanciunas
0: takes issue with that. Statement. I think he's in Washington. Let me look. Let me look. Uh, Google. I,
2: I believe because I was watching a little bit of the uh, was it NBA Crunch Time or whatever, and they do mm-hmm. that. It's kind of like Red Zone, but for the NBA. And they were talking about how like no, he, not
0: the Jonas brothers. What? Sorry, I just typed in Jonas and that's. Oh, what came up. <laughs> I was like, I didn't say Jonas. No, Brothers. Jonas Valanciunas is still on the Grizzlies. Oh, okay. Roster. Maybe he yeah. was the maybe he's Dylan only twenty eight though. I feel like he's oldest. like thirty five. <laughs> he's only twenty eight. Wow.
2: Maybe he's the oldest active player, but they were talking about how he's the oldest player on the roster. Um, so that brings us to the mighty Booch. Last year we got Chris Boucher, the Tampa Bay Raptors uh, of Tampa Bay Raptors of Toronto. We're three <laughs> and one last week. Uh, Booch is averaging 18.5 points, 1.8 assists, seven and a half boards. He shot 24 for 38 from the field and eight for 16 from deep. 28 minutes a game, 28 minutes, and he's shooting
0: 50% from deep. I'm so proud I could cry. Like yeah. I'm so, it's so fun watching him play. He's bided his time. He's waited. The Raptors are giving him this opportunity really out of necessity. They don't have anybody else, but they also created this situation due to their roster management because they saw something in him. And mm-hmm. this is a former G league MVP. This is a guy that would have been able, if he would have finished his season here at Oregon, healthy Oregon's probably got a banner up in Matthew Knight arena right now for a yeah. national title. I'm sorry. That team is still the, probably the greatest basketball team in Oregon history. This, it's just so fun to finally see him out there playing. I hope he's able to stay healthy for the rest of the season. That's always the thing that I worry about there with his, his slim kombucha legs. Mm-hmm. But he's balling. And he's playing defense, which is one of the what, what things the Raptors really need. He's stretching the floor with his shooting. His passing is a lot better this year. He's able to make some of those um, those bigger skip passes and put them on with pepper and put them in the right spot. Um, I haven't ever, I've, watched, I've been able to watch a few Raptors games. For some reason, I keep... Missing them when they're on NBA TV and things like that, but what I have seen has been really fun. Andy, I'm loving having them in fantasy.
2: Well, I watched, uh, so I mean, you know, my weird Blazers situation at yeah. home. So I was watching the replay <laughs> of the Raptors, uh, Blazers game just the other day, yes. and so I was watching the Raptors, uh, broadcast team because I have a stupid uh, that's. It's for, a whole other conversation. Yeah. But they were, I mean, Chris Boucher is the absolute apple of their eye. Uh, as far as the play-by-play guys, they couldn't stop raving about him, talking about, you know, like, this was this gem. And, of course, patting the organization on the back for what they've done with Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Chris Boucher, and these guys that they've developed and yeah. really using. And they've really been, a you know, the...
0: You didn't even mention Siakam, and he's probably their best development mm-hmm. project. So.
2: And they've really been, like, the, the kind of catalyst for... Uh, the developmental league and all of this becoming really more of like a minor league for basketball because the raptors have used this model that we're like the Blazers don't even have a G League affiliate team. They send their guys they play with the Warriors dudes and which that's it's a
0: travesty. Yeah.
2: I think Eugene should have a, a G oh League my gosh, team. Here. Yeah,
0: don't even get me started on that. That's a whole nother yes, absolutely. Um, he is a top fifty player right now in Yahoo fantasy rankings based on ports. I mean, he's forty third overall. Um, only eighty four percent rostered, which I find kind of baffling. I mean, well, maybe if you're in an eight man league, he's not rostered. But then but you
2: look at there's like guys who are like out for the season that are like ninety three percent owned. So yeah. it's like it, very, very it's true. stupid. This is just
0: depressing, looking at my roster. <laughs> Every single player on my bench is injured, Don't, and don't two che- players in my starting lineup are injured. Don't check your matchup. Yeah, oh my god, it's not going I'm, very I'm, well. I'm about to double you up. It's not going well! <laughs> um, but yeah, if you picked him up, or if you have him, he's definitely been the bright spot on your roster. And again, I'm a de facto Raptors fan, so it's been really fun to watch
2: him. So play. let me ask you this, if we were to have a, a belt right now for best NBA pro duck, who would be that belt holder right now
0: so this is difficult because we haven't quite outlined the the circumstances or parameters if I'm picking just on my favorite it's Boucher
2: no I mean like the best NBA player product at this second I still
0: still think it has to be Boucher you think so the numbers he's putting up there are nine games this season in the entire NBA where a player has come off the bench and put up 20 and 10 Chris Boucher has four of those games wow that was a good stat. Did you have it written down? Pulled it off. yeah. <laughs> um, boom. Drop the mic. No, but I, I think even if you're doing, <clears> just like you're saying, like, if you're doing a draft of products in the NBA, I mean, who's who's the, I mean, Pritchard? I'd say Dylan Brooks. He's just so inconsistent. But it is interesting to have the three of them up there in that kind of a, I mean, Dylan has been playing more minutes for the last few seasons. He's right. been doing it for longer. He's just inconsistent. And because of what, the, because the skill set that Boucher brings as a stretch five at six foot nine that can bring the ball out and shoot from the three, that's more what I would want in a player, especially um, modern NBA. If Dylan, if Dylan's arms were normal size and he was a really good defender, then I would probably say yes. Because I've I've always loved Dylan Brooks. Right. I mean, yeah, I yeah. loved him since he played at Finley Prep, and when he, I mean, he, this kid's um, been an apple of our eye here at the Flock Pod for a long time. But he just hasn't taken that next step that I've really been wanting him to take. And he was an older player, you know, when he came into the NBA. And he's just, I'm still, I'm still waiting. I think it can still happen. I think he can become that um, starting level three to be in the NBA. But right now, he's still bench guy to me.
2: So you think that right now, Chris Bruchet's accomplishments in his very young career outweigh what Dylan Brooks has done in his four, three years? Well, and even
0: like, what, what can he do for me tomorrow? Like, right. if I'm playing a game tomorrow, who would I rather have? Like, forgetting all of history, if you just showed me what they were doing right now, I want Boucher.
2: Like, if you're playing pickup under yep. the bridge, you're I picking him. Yeah. Okay. Yep, I yeah, want Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, Yeah, I think, if, yeah, I'd say for sure. Because, I mean, you're looking at bowl-bowl, you know, a lot of untapped potential, and then Peyton Pritchard just isn't there yet
0: he's not well he's overachieving from what i thought he was gonna do i am i am shocked i have egg all over my face i'm gonna owe drinks to several people (laughs) in the basketball (laughs) community because i'm wrong and i just i love the fact that the two people that i was most low going in you know that were products justin herbert and peyton pritchard and i was dead wrong on both of them and I mean, okay, not dead wrong on Herbert. I will take some credit because we talked about, I mean, all the tools were there. We were worried about the situation, the mentality going into it. And he's definitely proven us all wrong. However, it's just, it, that's part of the fun of podcasting. I yeah. you know, we, we get some things wrong and we all, we'll own them always. We've gotten some stuff right. Yes, we, we have. have. There's yes, been some we have. stuff. But we don't gloat. <laughs> you know, we don't gloat. We're like poker players. You know, I remember all my bad beats. I very rarely remember the hands that I won a lot of money on. Very true. Um, speaking of bad beats, um, hey, hey. bye bye, Larry Scott.
2: Yeah, get out of here, man. Na, na. We are done with you, sir. We are done with you. So Larry Scott will be out as the Pac-12 commissioner in June. Um, He's still holding his position right now because he doesn't need to do anything until they hire the new guy. Um, He made nearly $50 million as commissioner of the Pac-12. He was the highest paid commissioner of a Power 5 conference. That's pretty wild, right? (laughs) <laughs> Especially when you think about like the fact that most of the Pac-12's woes have been financially tied.
0: Well, and because of his idiotic decision to get them into a $20 million lease in downtown... San Francisco. Uh, okay, San Francisco. Moved sure Pac- San Francisco. He moved the
2: Pac-12 offices from Walnut Creek, the home of Sabrina UNESCO, to... Lovely place. Um, to San Francisco, they said, which kind of financially
0: crippled the Pac-12 a little bit and yeah. it just didn't really need to happen. No, it was a pure pop and circumstance move. He wanted them to be in the middle of the tech of the, world uh, and, and, and
2: all that Palo Alto it's, it's, nonsense.
0: Yeah, so I mean it
2: that and then I think the biggest thing which uh so the they're going for a new TV contract here in 2024 that will be assured probably the number one priority of the new Pac-12 commissioner uh because of What the Pac-12 Network was meant to accomplish and what it actually accomplished. So they sidestepped basically doing a contract with ESPN, Fox, or you know NBC can't really do it because they already got the Notre Dame thing going. But um, so basically those two networks, which you know SEC and Big Ten uh, teamed up with to get their product out there to the masses, where the Pac-12 Network you
0: can't get on the East Coast. No, it's ridiculous. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring everybody in real close here just for just for a little point here. Okay. Just, just speaking between us here, you know, just, just you and your earbuds, whatever you got going on. We're happy he's gone, but we're going to be paying for his mistakes for years to come. And yes, I'm talking about Larry Scott. This guy has put the Pac-12 in an absolutely perilous position where there's legitimate talk of the entire conference having to declare bankruptcy. This is atrocious he should be held accountable for his actions and not just be allowed to go to Mars. Oh, no, no sorry, not, not that person. We're talking about somebody else. So let's just let's try to keep an open mind as we move forward.
2: Yeah, I can't believe him and the orange guy were out on the same day. Same um, day,
0: beautiful thing, symmetry. Uh, d- 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 d-
2: d- d- yeah. So the Pac-12 network uh, was promised to pay out as well as ESPN would, which they say that most schools in the SE or no, in the Big Ten were getting fifty million dollars a year in TV revenue from ESPN. Pac-12 schools last in this last uh, payout cycle
0: got thirty-two point five million. That's a lot of cheese. It's not good. It's not good. So again, it's there are gonna have to be some moves made. I hope this doesn't lead to expansion of the conference again, which they could see as a way to, you know, kind of bring in an infusion of cash or an infusion of money just into the conference stronghold. Um, obviously the Pac-12 is still a powerhouse in the Olympic sports and in other, but they're just not money makers. You've gotta be a big name in football. You've gotta make the college football playoff, you got to win a national title every six to seven years to keep the brand and to keep the money flowing for the mm. conference for it to also trickle down. I mean, college football is one of the classic, you know, economic trickle down principles that it actually kind of works, unlike other economic principles. So I mean, Oregon State is dependent upon Oregon playing in big bowls to make money for their program. Um, Washington State is dependent upon Washington playing in big bowls or vice versa every once in a while when it spikes the other direction. So the conference health overall, it's in a tough spot. So who, I mean, I have no idea even who would be in position to get the job, I got a but Shane's list. got a beautiful list here together for us. So I'm going to tee him up right now. Who do you got, Shane? Well, uh, Real
2: quick. Uh, yes. well, I uh, just want to mention this real quick. Uh, it was funny. One of the writers for the Athletics said that one of the reasons why he was like, oh, at this time was they were asked about why the Pac-12 network was so uh, hard to find in direct TV and in certain um, areas. And his answer was like, well you can get the Pac-12 network in China and gymnastics are being very, we're getting very good ratings on gymnastics in China. And they were just like, what? (laughs) We asked why people in New Jersey can't watch Stanford play. And you're like, well, let me tell you about gymnastics in China.
0: It's just the classic example of a guy going galaxy brain and getting stuck in the outer galaxy. Like, I mean, I, I'm all for people thinking outside the box and trying new things, but this isn't working. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You've got to be willing to change course when it's not working. Okay. All get right. Me with some so possible people we got some names
2: them. here. I'm gonna save my two favorite uh, for the end. I'm gonna get ripped through these kind of quickly here. I got a few names. Uh, first on here is a lot of people's favorite, and Gene Smith, who is the current Ohio State Athletic Director. Okay. Uh, he has ties to the Pac-12. He was the former Arizona State Athletic Director for six years. We also have Greg Brine, who is the current Alabama athletic director, um, former Arizona athletic director, where he was for four years. He, there's a little bit of a mark on his record, though, that while he was at Arizona,
0: he hired Rich Rodriguez and Sean Miller. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> let's not bring an Alabama guy to the Pac-12. I feel like that's just like some deep spy stuff from the SEC. Right.
2: Uh, we also have the this one that I'm not really a really big fan of. Um, Dan Ragdanovich, who's the Clemson Athletic
0: Director. Yep, no thank you. So, I mean, those <laughs> in
2: those three names right there, what we're seeing is they're looking at big-time football programs, and they want to kind of get the Pac-12 football to a level of prominence to where, I mean, we talked about it in our last podcast that – we thought women's basketball was the best sport in the Pac-12. Absolutely. And I, the more I think about it, the more I think we were right on that. Yeah. So I think with those names, we're definitely seeing, uh, you know, they're trying to put football back on that front burner instead of that back burner. Uh, so we also got Bernard Meir, I believe that's how you say it, who's the Stanford Athletic Director. Uh, he's also the chairman on the NCAA March Madness Tournament. Um. The last Stanford athletic director before him is now the current Big Twelve commissioner. Okay. Okay. So they've kind of seen that Stanford has uh, a plan to kind of put these guys in success to to evolve and kind of grow into a, a bigger role, which I'm kind of all for. Stanford produces smart people. Mm-hmm. What do you know? Um, here's a name that this is one that wasn't my favorites, but I actually really like is a uh, Gloria Navarez. Who is the current West Coast Conference commissioner? Okay. Okay. Uh, she served in Pac-12 offices for about nine years, and she's the only female commissioner of a of a conference in North America, and the only mm, non-white.
0: Uh, It seems like a very Pac-12 thing to do to bring her up. And I do like that she's already a commissioner of a conference where in contrast to these other candidates that you've mentioned previously, that are just athletic directors. Mm -hmm. I think there is a a nuance there to, I mean, running an athletic director and running a program could be similar to running a conference, just logistically. But I I like that name just off the top of the bat. And uh, just
2: what the West Coast Conference has kind of been able to grow in these last few years. We've been seeing them more on
0: primetime games
2: and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And just
0: throwing their weight behind basketball because that, obviously having Gonzaga on that conference has been the big Mm -hmm. buoy to bring them to the forefront. Um,
2: So the first name that I really liked, I think that was... Yep. Uh, So we got um, Oliver Luck, the father of... Andrew oh,
0: Luck. interesting. Okay,
2: um, so I mean, obviously, that's like his biggest tie to the Pac-12 is his son playing at Stanford. But he's the former West Virginia athletic director, and he was also the commissioner and the CEO of the latest
0: uh, interpretation of the XFL, the American Alliance. Or, oh no, it was the actual XFL. XFL, okay. yeah, which
2: was actually going pretty well, in my opinion, before COVID, COVID kind of blindsided it. it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate that.
2: We have, this is a name that's kind of a dark horse, okay. but is one that's definitely, people are like, they're saying we should at least give an interview to. There's another woman, another woman of color, Condoleezza Rice.
0: I was going to bring that name up ahead of time. I was like, you know, she's been mentioned a lot for some other AD jobs. She's been mentioned a lot for some other conference chair jobs. That, that does make a little bit of sense, especially to put a person that's, I mean, she's a celebrity, for lack of a better you know thing about it is that she would bring a little bit of name recognition to that position right away.
2: Yeah, and for those of you who are wondering who we're talking about, she's the former Secretary of State or Secretary, uh, yeah, Secretary of State during the George W. Bush administration. And
0: she's served on the College Football Playoff Committee, I believe. She in the past. She is currently that currently is I, I That's right. Okay. Yes. Yep. So, so yeah. That's an interesting choice. I mean, I like that they're bringing, you know, the possibility of, of a woman to that position, you know, kind of moving things forward. And again, this kind of ties back into what we were talking about with the defensive coordinator job. We don't ever want to see someone get a job strictly based upon them, you know, fitting a certain category. Mm-hmm. We want to see the best person get the job. However, when you have two people that are equally qualified or that you kind of have, you know, that situation where you're trying to make that last minute decision, I think if you have the opportunity to put a foot forward like that, to, you know, be able to give someone a breakthrough opportunity, I think you should do it. And I think that the Pac-12 is in a unique position where they can be a little bit more forward thinking. I mean, the left coast is the best coast, baby. Well, and this is a time now, too, where
2: the bar has kind of been set pretty low by Larry Scott. So (laughs) it's kind of like Biden right now where it's like, you know, all you got to do is just kind of like show up, do a couple things right. And uh, you're going to get some praise for it. And, I like, th- this is a good job. I mean, there is good schools. There's a lot of really high-profiting
0: schools in this conference. It's $50 million worth of a good job. <clears throat> right, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> the last name I got on my list here, and this is my favorite just for a lot of reasons, uh, is Burke Magnus. It's a great name. Who's the Executive Vice
0: President of Programming and Scheduling at ESPN. that's interesting that's interesting I mean to bring somebody in from that side that really understands the tv game and obviously the four-letter network the the hub of Bristol kind of runs the sports world especially the college sports world and if you could get the Pac-12 network more linked up with an ESPN platform as opposed to it being this ugly duckling child that's had its ups and downs i think you know when it first came out it was run well i thought they had some quality of programming but it just didn't look the same you know it's like when you're watching um one of those like serial, uh, like drama shows, and then you go watch like an amazing movie. Just like the mm-hmm. level of production just a right. little bit different, you know? Well, and it's
2: something that I noticed too. Like when I first started doing stuff for Duck News, uh, ducknews.com, which I got a few articles on there. Go check those out. Uh, I was a little surprised to see, and this isn't to say anything bad about the Pac 12 network because I could only imagine what they were saying about me, but I was a little surprised to see the Pac 12 network was essentially like a, like a student run thing.
0: Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's,
2: it's very, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, you have a lot of students who are going into television and this is the perfect, you know, middle bridge mm-hmm. in between those two worlds. But it was a little, the, I don't want to say like unprofessionalism because I thought they were actually more professional than the like people like James Crepia, but it was, it was it was interesting to see like the lack of structure placed in it that it wasn't like this big time production thing. It just wasn't finished. It had mm-hmm. a kind of a
0: raw quality. It had like a, a high school you know morning announcements kind that's of feel. Ex- that's that's exactly it. how I felt. Yeah, you know. but it,
2: without trying to like say it, because the, they did they do great work for what they yeah, have. Absolutely, like, they absolutely knock it out of and the park. And that's
0: why you would like to see them get an infrastructure like ESPN, but then keep that same idea because I do like the concept of using this as a platform to. Incubate that next wave of talent into Mm -hmm. sports media and having, I mean. Whenever Northwestern does well, it's not a coincidence that Northwestern is all over sports media because yeah, it's guess a broadcasting what? School. A lot of the people that are in sports media went to Northwestern. So yeah, the more J. People... A. Donde teaches there. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's pretty funny, and that I always giggle whenever I'm like, oh Northwestern's like nine and three, and they're all over <laughs> <me."> <laughs> <laughs> far out, man. Um, it's yeah. like where is Northwestern? <laughs> yeah, seriously. If you can tell me it's in Illinois, I'll give you a brownie point. Um, Chicago, I believe, right? I- I think they're in Chicago. I wanna say
2: that, but I, yeah. I would I think it's almost like it's one of those suburbs of Chicago. Somewhere I think. around there,
0: yeah. But well, yeah, I was... so
2: I think that that's kind of the name that jumped out to me is just far as like we could immediately kinda of like fix the Pac twelve network a little bit, which would all kind of help because the, the TV deals are what brings most of the money in, and that is how the facilities are built. And that's how all of this stuff kind of happens. And it's how you pay officials. And that's why, you know, some of the officiating quality out of here officiating.
0: is... And that's how you recruit officials, by being able to pay them more than some of the other conferences. And it all comes down to quality at that point. Because
2: so. believe it or not, refs are doing it for the money. It's not just for everybody's happiness. It's a weird concept that people don't understand.
0: Again, never want to be an official ever. Um, let's jump in now and cover our westcoastcfb.com article of the week. Just have a little bit of fun here as we uh, wrap up the podcast. Um, they went ahead and ranked the top 10 Oregon uniforms in football history. Um, which one do you want to kind of – because we don't want to blow the whole uh, article here. We definitely want to get make you go give them a click and go check it out for themselves.
2: Right. Um Let's see. I mean, I, the, the one that I thought should have been higher on the list, I think you probably agree with me here was, uh, where they have coming in at number six, which is the uniforms, which is Oregon versus Michigan state, uh, in 2014, which I believe that was the game. Oh, no, 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 no.
0: That was the next year. So that was the game where they did the yellow out in the stadium mm-hmm. also and it was just the the silver wings on the, the or it was the the yellow wings on the silver helmet, the all yellow uniforms. A lot of people didn't like like that shoulder pad pattern that they had there, but it's a very clean look because there aren't a lot of other lines on the uniform at all. Right, It's really crisp and really clean. I just you know I'm a sucker for yellow. So yeah, that would have been my choice also to be a lot higher and that comes in actually at number 6 on their list.
2: Yeah, a couple other ones uh we'll Give you the order that they're in, but we got like the Fiesta Bowl versus Kansas State uniforms are on this list. Uh, that was the game where D'Anthony, T- D'Anthony Thomas ran that opening kickback, and then the rest of the game kind of followed suit. Uh, so, I mean, that w- it, it's weird that I kind of associate some of the uniforms with the outcomes of the game.
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh,
2: so, I mean, like the, the College Football National Championship versus Auburn in 2011. hate it, those uniforms. But but <laughs> but why do you hate them?
0: Because I just, I don't usually, I'm one of those fans that doesn't like when we wear a lot of white, which is going to completely contradict with what I'm about to say, because I really like the stomp out cancer uniforms. hmm so I just I have a a weird yeah, weird connotation with that one. I also don't really like when they go the white with the dark. I'd rather I love the Stormtrooper uniforms when they just right. went all white. That seems to be more my nitpick with those uniforms. I mean you in were, you were calling
2: for that combo for yeah, the PlayStation. Know, yeah, I wanted to see that for yeah. That would have been oh um. Let's see seeing? here. Another one that we both we really talked about was the uh Rose Bowl uniforms from 2015 uh against Florida State. That
0: was the Jameis Winston flack wacky inflatable arm flailing tube man. Yeah, love that you. game. Uh, I say that all the time when I do my brain boost for school. So it's pretty. It's, it's good <laughs> exercise. Um, that candy apple green. That's that's a nice color contrast with those bright yellow um, numbers. Um, and again, a very clean look, not a lot of their love lines, no other real pinstriping on those. The shoulder pads are pretty clean on that. So it's, it's a, it's a real, nice look. It's a real I, nice look.
2: I do think it's interesting with the, the national championship uniforms, that helmet for that combination was that like silver, uh, chain linky kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I know if, if from this picture, it just looks silver, but I know when you zoom in, there was more detail on the actual helmet. How many times has a helmet only been used one time?
0: Not a few i think really actually. just a
2: single use i mean i know that because i mean they even wore the webfoot uniforms more than once it's true that's true i don't know if maybe it got banished for being a national <laughs> championship loser but that that's interesting because i mean normally what we like to some of my favorite combinations with oregon uniforms is when you see like a, you know like the all whites and then they kind of like piece together some of the the different things it was like on Some the
0: accents to it yeah like the stomp out cancer ones right it was mm-hmm. kind of like
2: on the old college football video games when, when they first when they introduced where you could change the helmets and stuff I w- my favorite thing to do was like almost create the most like mismatchy uniforms <laughs> possible like like yellow
0: lids white jerseys green pants kind this of thing this explains so much about us because I would almost always just do all yellow or all <laughs> like just, this is why we're such good podcasting but I also loved on those earlier games where you could start changing like even the armband colors right. and like the the under- shirts and things like that so um one other uniform that i do want to bring up here that i really liked was the the pac 12 championship game in 2019 where it's that really really dark dark green but then the it's not a volt yellow more of like a matte yellow with that look and I'm then it's like dark, it. oh dark okay helmets. yeah 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 i, I believe really that's called that is it midnight green? Something like that, yeah. It's something
2: like that. I like yeah.
0: it when they do the dark helmet with the darker green. I don't like it when they do the silver or the light helmet with those. So, yeah, we've gotten deep into some uniform talk here, which, if you're still listening to the podcast, we love you. That, <laughs> you're the best. A, yeah, that's a beautiful thing right there. You're obviously a huge <laughs> Duck fan, and we appreciate you. Love, we love you. Thank cherry you. Cherry no. peace. That
1: had no stone. I gave my love a chicken that had no bones, I give... Sorry. You make me wanna shout